Hello and welcome to the Fit and Fab podcast with Kinga and Tyra. Yes, Kinga, how are you? I am really good, thank you. How are you? Yes, all well, all good in the hood. Um, nothing really to report, really. It does feel very samey. It's like day 900 of January. I don't know if you know that vibe. <laughs> literally, literally. It feels so long. feels so long. It's like this month has been the longest year ever. <laughs> I know, but we have another, well, two days left of the month. And this, then there's February, which is my birthday month, which is really exciting. <laughs> it's almost like a rite of passage, though, as you get older, just to just remind everyone like how quickly the years fly by. No. <laughs> I when I was no. younger, my parents would like, you know, rite of passage, small talk. You bump into someone, like, oh, so quickly. But <laughs> I feel that now. Like I, I really feel that. Oh, but do you know what? I feel like. I always I'm quite lucky because my birthday is in February so I have something to look forward to but like imagine like your birthday for example is in May so like after Christmas you literally have nothing nothing (laughs) no but it's like those are like like January February March as well they're just they're not the best month of the year are they they're not like for example October November aren't either but you have that Christmas to look forward to so it's fine but then if you have nothing to look forward to really throughout the the January February it's just just long long. although in saying that the one thing I like about my birthday being in May is I find there's like a good gap present wise in terms (laughs) of like get nice like lots of goodies for Christmas and then a few months later do you not find that people are a bit you know skimmed when they're giving you a Christmas present and then they're like oh because it's my dad's birthday in like two days time and it's always a nightmare shopping because it's like when it's Christmas time it's like is this a Christmas or is this a birthday and then men are hard to shop for anyways (laughs) and it's just like I do feel sorry for him because he never gets great birthday presents oh that's so sad I know but I mean he has us so what more could you need (laughs) (laughs) oh awesome okay so today we are talking about fat loss believe it or not (laughs) shock horror (laughs) (laughs) so we thought we'll, we'll shed some light onto how to fat loss basically how to lose fat without tracking your calories oh my gosh and yes this is the thing because like you don't have to track calories but they do count and a lot of the time I think calorie counting gets put on this pedestal and it's almost like rite of passage when it comes to fat loss but people were losing fat before my fitness pal was a thing or before NutriCheck was a thing or whatever calorie counting app you're using like you don't need you don't have to count calories macros etc etc like you can absolutely still lose weight without doing these things granted possibly it arguably arguably it can be slightly harder because you don't have that data to go by so when you've got data even sticking to like the same calories and you've been super adherent for like two weeks and then like all 
longer, but say like you've just not seen any change in the scale, then you've got a number to go by. It can be a bit harder in terms of like if you're not tracking calories. Definitely. It can be a little bit harder. And I think it can be harder, especially for people who never tracked before. Yeah. They feel like when you when you've tracked before, you you have that awareness of portion sizes and how and especially I think that's very helpful with protein portion sizes because from my experience usually that's the main problem that people just don't know how much to eat to kind of hit their protein targets and when we're not tracking we still want to look at that protein it doesn't just magically disappear because we don't put it in my fitness pal we still kind of want to hit very similar habits um just without kind of weighing everything so so tyra if you were kind of to to say who is this approach best suited towards like non-tracking fat loss so i think because as we know like everyone is different and i think if you have had a bit of a rocky relationship with food or even with tracking or if tracking is a trigger in any way but you still have fat loss goals there are certainly ways which we will obviously discuss in this podcast there are certainly ways to do it without tracking like for me for example tracking doesn't so I think for some people right tracking is a great tool because it gives you that sort of perception of like calorie density and portion sizes and stuff and it can be a great learning tool and I don't think it's something that you need to use forever I think something like maybe up to a month and once you've gotten to grips with like what a serving size of whatever looks like that sort of thing you kind of understand the calorie density in your foods you can move away from it but um lost my train of thought there don't even know where I was going with that (laughs) basically kind of trying to maybe define who this approach is best suited towards you know because I feel like it's good to try to do it intuitively but I I feel like if you can I would I would track your calories for a bit yeah I would say and I mean this is coming from like a coach's point of view as well right so like it's for us to see that data can be really helpful for the coach as well as you obviously getting to grips and learning from calorie counting I definitely think it has its perks um I would say people to avoid it is if you start ignoring maybe your own hunger signals or start relying too heavily on tracking and you feel stressed when you can't track something yeah, like if you, like say if you go to eat out or if someone cooks you food and oh. you won't eat it because you can't track it, this is when it becomes problematic. Yeah, and the thing is, like calorie tracking in, in itself, it's not perfect. So there are so many discrepancies on the actual, like if you go onto my fitness pal and type in chicken breast, you're going to see a million different things and the calories and macros, like it's all going to be different. So it's not that like calorie tracking is the absolute 
be all and end all like a lot of the time and I did a post on this recently like a lot of the time you're not losing the weight because of the calorie tracking it's that the calorie tracking is sort of having an impact on your other behaviors like maybe it's making you more mindful so before you just like say before you used to walk in the kitchen you used to just grab a cookie and eat it like perhaps the act of calorie tracking is creating that pause and you check how much calories are in the cookie and you're going do you know what actually this doesn't eating this right now won't really align with my goals and that's the reason you know why you're losing fat it's not the absolute calorie number per se because as we know tracking is not actually that accurate but it's more of the behaviors around it that it creates and I think that's the important thing to remember here yeah definitely so say if I if I was your client and I said to you Tyra I'd like to lose a bit of fat but I don't want to track just I just don't want to I don't necessarily have any disordered eating habits I just I'm just a busy mom of two (laughs) who you're great you're like whole like alter ego life over here <laughs> yeah I'm busy working mum too <laughs> yeah I don't even have a boyfriend but I'm already a mum of two it's fine it's fine it's fine we move <laughs> mum of two <laughs> so say I'm just I just don't want to track just because I'm busy just 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 because there isn't really a reason why I don't want to track so how would you how would you go about that with me what, what would, would be I would have a couple of sort of broader behaviors to look at, like healthful behaviors. So number one, first and foremost, I would probably say eat mindfully and without distraction. So a lot of the time we sort of use, we we look at my fitness plan, we're like, right, we've got 400 calories left. And then we eat according to that. But when you don't have that, I would say eat without distraction. So no, just walking into the kitchen, mindlessly eating whatever the hell is on the kitchen counter, like cook your meal, sit down, eat it. And I, with clients, um, even with tracking clients, I do this, but I introduce the hunger scale, which you, um, if you're listening, literally just Google the hunger scale and I incorporate this. So you can start listening to your internal hunger cues as well. And I normally say, stop eating when you get to maybe, a six to seven out of 10. So when you feel like you could eat more, so you're not full yet, because again, remember, so the absolute fundamentals of fat loss is a calorie deficit. Like that is the absolute one non-negotiable. There are a million ways to create it, but that is the one non-negotiable. So there is going to be an element of restriction here, right? I mean, we're not saying go and do anything crazy, but like that isn't the non-negotiable. So eating to maybe a six to seven. So you like, you're not starving, but you're also not totally, totally full. And I would say base each meal around a protein source, like a lean protein source that's easily identifiable. Um, So, you know, like a chicken breast or tofu or fish um, and pair that with your plants. So all of your different veg and really focus on like volume foods as well and these are things like plants that are really really low in calories but there's a lot of it so you can have like a 400 calorie meal say of like I don't know a piece of salmon and broccoli and cauliflower and whatever veg you're into 
and then you know bulk like finish it off with your carbs and fats um and then I would say stay hydrated as well so possibly having a glass of water like before eating and this isn't that water is magical in any way or speeds up the process of fat loss or anything it's just that a lot of the time I think we can mistake our hunger for thirst um and also it helps you take that break while you're eating it helps slow everything down and again it's going to help with that like mindfulness something else I would say is planning your meals and your snacks ahead of time so I think there's like I don't know about you but you see a lot of the time like snacking gets totally demonized and I think the misconception here is the more like mindless eating so like I said when you walk in to the kitchen and then you just grab the cookie without thinking and if you ask someone to recall what they ate in that day they probably wouldn't even remember the cookie because they weren't even present they were probably eating the cookie and trying to like stop the kid from I don't know having a tantrum and the phone's ringing and all that this is happening so it's not like stop snacking it's more stop the mindless eating yeah I agree that's one of the things that I always say to people just in general but it's that mindfulness that just put your phone away turn the tv off just have your meal just enjoy your food because then you can one you can just focus on that food and actually enjoy your meal a lot more and you need that pause sometimes as well and I always say like when you're just watching Netflix and you're eating them crisps you're just gonna keep eating and eating and eating and you won't even realize you finished it yeah it's like when you go to the cinema right and then you get popcorn and you finished it before the movie even starts and you're like oh man <laughs> like because it just becomes almost habitual and stuff as well so Something that I've done and it worked really, really well with um, my non-tracking clients, say they are they do, they are quite busy or they are those sort of mindless eaters, is like actually parenting yourself in a way and having like a lunch box or a snack box for the day. And I actually did this with a few clients over if you <laughs> lockdown one, the good old days. <laughs> um, like, because obviously everyone was like working from home then and found it really really difficult to enforce like kids you know the kitchen is literally right there and a couple of my clients back then actually had like a lunch box and they filled up the Tupperware had the lunch box and it was like these are my snacks for the day and I can eat them whenever I want but once they're gone gone. they're gone and that really really helped them because they didn't feel restricted because it was like I can have these whenever they want and, you know, everything was already sort of portioned out and the decision that they made, that was aligned with their goals. Like the, everything in that snack box, it was aligned with their goals. So they knew that they had already made that decision beforehand, that eating whatever was in there aligned with the goals and potentially, you know, go it like if that was finished and then they grabbed something else potentially they would be making a decision that wasn't in line with their goals but again that all comes down to like mindfulness as well um and you know what else is a really underrated one is actually getting enough sleep so studies have actually studies have shown that if you are sleep deprived I can't remember the um, exact figures I know it was on EIQ but um I think it was like something three to 400 calories more if you were sleep deprived and it's not 
might have been two to save between two and 400. So the people, there was like two groups. The one group had like eight hours of solid rest and the other had, I think it was like three hours or something like that. And the group that was sleep deprived ate a lot, a significant amount of calories more. And potentially those calories would have just totally negated your deficit. So these things aren't like the stuff that we're discussing. It's not magical. It's not shocking or anything. It's literally like stripping it right back to basics. And I think so often people are like, what supplements for fat loss or like tracking everything down to a T, but actually the stuff that we've spoken about up till now, if you implement all these things, like a lot of the time fat loss will be a byproduct of it. Definitely. And I think another one that I guess it is quite popular, but uh, movement steps. Yes. Like that. That's one of the main things I always encourage just in general, but especially with fat loss. Mm-hmm. Do you set a particular step count for your clients? So I do, but what I do is basically kind of assess first what's the what's their baseline yeah. okay because some yeah. people's baseline might be 7k some people's baseline might be 700 steps a day mm-hmm. so <laughs> if yeah. we told someone who's doing 700 steps a day to suddenly start smashing 10k every day they probably won't <laughs> all they will get really disencouraged or anything so I kind of gauge what their average is at the moment and try to increase it by like maybe 1k 2k depending on how much it is really and then see how they get on with that once that's kind of okay then I would push it another k or two yeah I'm really really similar in that sense I think there's no point if you're doing literally like less than 1k telling someone to do 10k it's they're going to be like are you freaking crazy how am I going to do that so I normally for most of my clients because there was research that suggested about seven and a half k was just optimal for sort of health and again like we say pretty much all the time we we can't pursue fat loss and just totally disregard health like the reason hopefully for you pursuing fat loss or whatever is that it's gonna ultimately make you healthier in the long term so we want to be doing stuff that also you know makes you healthier and the research does show that about seven and a half thousand steps is just it's a good good it's a really good baseline for your general health I mean you've done you did a really really good post about the effects of being sedentary for long years I can't remember. Can you can you remember like the exact sort of stats on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me let me just actually get it on because that was really interesting. I was actually reading some research about it, and um, basically, 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 um, so. No amount of physical activity will reverse the negative effects of prolonged sitting. So a lot of people that come to me think that just because <laughs> they, they do their gym session a day, 
that's that's okay that's fine as in it's lovely that you're doing the gym session however that does not suddenly just make the other 23 hours of your day <laughs> that you spend sedentary um okay so basically each mean hour after a total of seven hours daily is associated with a five percent increase of premature death so after seven yeah. hours which is like a working day isn't it seven yeah. eight hours yeah. If you sit down every hour after that, is associated with a 5% increase of premature death. Then also, um, prolonged sitting has been linked to a twofold increase in diabetes and cardiovascular disease, 13% increase in incidence of cancer, and 17% increase in mortality related to cancer. Also has been shown to have adverse effects of mental health and many, many, many other things. Yeah, I mean, that, like, I just find that absolutely shocking. And we're not saying that it's, like, scary or anything. Like, it's just, this is, you know, it's kind of the facts of it. So when we say, oh, move more, it's not because we just, like, love movement which we do of course we do we're pts of course we do but it's because we actually you know for your general health like it literally prolongs your life as well as helping with fat loss so you know it's a win-win so yeah exactly so yeah i would say like with my clients normally we aim for a minimum of like seven and a half thousand steps and trying to break up your steps throughout the day as well so like what you just said there Kinga like you don't want to sort of leave all of your steps right till the end of the day I think it makes much more sense to kind of have those breaks and it also helps with your mind doesn't it like I don't know about you but sitting in front of a computer say for seven hours without a break no one enjoys that so yeah just trying to be as active as possible and actually if you look at your um total daily energy expenditure like I think a lot of people overestimate how many calories they like burn in the gym and a lot of time they think fat loss go to the gym but actually you burn so many more calories in your general movement than you do just in the gym that actually the smarter thing to do like you don't need to be gymming seven days a week just maybe three to five times resistance training which is another point in itself but then just trying to do something every day like make sure you're going for those walks or I don't know even if it's stretching or like just moving like cleaning the house like pushing your trolley around the the supermarket or parking in the spot that's furthest away maybe walking part of your commute you're going to see huge benefits from doing that I always do you know what I do when I'm when I know I've not moved much I, I'm brave taking the stairs I live on the fourth yeah. floor so I feel like that's like probably the last acceptable floor <laughs> to actually take stairs yeah I'd say anything more than that it's kind of like that's a bit much, but I feel like on the fourth floor, you can still kind of, <laughs> you can still brave the stairs. So I, I definitely, if I feel like I've not moved much, I definitely take take the stairs. But then when I know I've moved so much and I'm tired, I would actually take the lift. So kind of, again, seeing how you're feeling. But if you know that you struggle to get your steps in, 
take that stu- take the stairs yeah 100 percent. yeah i would yeah keep in mind so all the things we just touched on and i think another biggie here is actually monitoring your progress and you yeah. would do this if you were tracking calories as well this is kind of a universal fat loss thing but you know like just because you're not tracking calories, I think it is important to have some data to go by because let's be honest, we know that body image is very closely related to mood. So say you're having a really bad mood but you're and, and you're not taking any progress markers, you can look in the mirror and go, my body's not changing. I'm staying the exact same. But actually you may, you may well be making progress. So I think like I would be taking progress photos obviously you don't need to do it every single week because as we know fat loss takes time but like taking progress photos taking tape measure measurements something I do with a few clients who don't weigh themselves which is obviously something else that you can do or like having that one pair of jeans and trying them on maybe every two weeks or so and just monitoring how your clothes are fitting and stuff and just monitoring a few different things that you can track so you do have data so that you can adjust if you need to yeah definitely definitely I think I think I I quite like taking all the measurements because you know with scale weight it's a bit of a tricky one because some people really don't like taking it some people are obsessed with it and I feel like it really depends on the person, but I really do feel like sometimes maybe we just need to desensitize to that scale weight, you know? Mm. What I mean? It's like, I know it's, it's a little bit of a harsh, tough love. And if someone had a really, really bad relationship with scales, I would definitely not say just, oh, just get over it. You know, <laughs> so helpful. Um, but I feel like sometimes we just need to see for ourselves that one day we'll have that big increase well big that increase and it's going to drop two days later because you're just holding on to so so much more so I think sometimes even if you're a bit unsure maybe about tracking your weight it's nice for you to see actually how your weight correlates to your measurements and how that correlates to your pictures I think this is one of the ways to kind of get over that you know ideal weight and stuff like I've had many clients who I showed pictures and I was like look you're heavier now but look how much leaner you look and they're like oh yeah so you know it's a tricky one and and definitely something to to be careful about but I think again depending on the person I think it could be good sometimes to track everything just so you see how everything changes and how maybe your scale weight isn't changing, but how beautifully your pictures are changing, your measurements are changing. Yes, I've actually got a client and I have actually put her on my Instagram. I don't really do like before and afters or anything, but so I did actually put her on because, so she started with me uh, a few months ago, maybe two, three months ago. She's not tracked a single calorie Um, But she's doing all the things that we spoke about, like using the hunger scale, staying hydrated, basing each meal about uh, around protein and veg, uh, planning her meals, like getting enough sleep, getting her knee up and resistance training. Um, 
not tracked a single calorie. And interestingly, her scale weight has actually stayed the same, but her body composition is like, it's totally different. It's really, really different. You can see that visible fat loss there. So that almost, you can look at the scale. If we were just going by scale weight, you'd be like, she's not made any progress. But then you look at her measurements, the way her clothes are fitting and her photos. And you're like, that's a totally, like that's a different body. So it is, it's definitely interesting to see. And it also shows like, don't get hung up about that number. I actually, I don't know about like you personally, but for me, I actually went through a stage because I did have in my teens, I had a really, really troubled relationship with the scale. Um, but I actually, on my last sort of dieting phase, which again, probably around lockdown one, <laughs> like whenever that was 2020, so I actually weighed every day for about six months, every single day. And it really helped my relationship because I saw like I would literally go up five pounds and then drop two and then go up three and then drop one. And then, like seeing that every day, it's kind of like, oh, well, it like it doesn't actually mean anything. Um, but then you see the long term, like in six months, and then you see point A and point B, and you can see that progress. So yeah, I think it totally depends on the person. That's a whole, how did we get onto scale weight when we're talking about fat loss and tracking or not tracking? <laughs> to be fair, it is important though, because, well, yeah. it is important, I feel like, because you need to, like, if your goal is fat loss, you really want to lose fat, you need to somehow monitor that progress because otherwise you, you'll find yourself doing the same thing for six months and then you'll just see, oh, nothing's changing. Okay, because chances are the things that you are doing in your first four weeks, let's say four weeks, are not going to be working in the second four weeks or the third four weeks, you know what I mean? Because your body adapts, you become a smaller person. So maybe... Yeah. You need a bit less maybe you do need to move a little bit more but unless you have some progress markers you, you don't know yeah and I think something else I don't know about you but I get this question all the time and it's how long until I see progress and I think it really closely links with what we're talking about now because a lot of what we see as trainers is people sticking to something for a week and then throwing in the towel or massively changing something up? And how long, Kinga, would you say you would go like not seeing any progress before you change things up? Ooh, that's a tricky one. That is a tricky I mean, obviously it's like it goes from person to person, right? Client to client, and like there's no, there is no one size fits all with progress or how long it takes or anything. I would say, I would say probably, so we're taking all measurements, right, into consideration, pictures yeah. and scale weight. So I think if within maybe two weeks, there was no change in scale weight at all, and, and the person, let's say, had maybe, was in a little bit la larger body, okay? Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're in a larger body, you should expect some changes on the scale. And if you're in a smaller body, you probably will expect a bit less changes as well. So I think if you're in a larger body, if it's like two weeks and there's no change in the scale, that would kind of 
be like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll need to assess that soon. But I think I would give it probably four weeks, a full, yeah. a full month, a full month, I think, before I actually implement changes. At two weeks, I would, I would just kind of think that to myself, maybe at three weeks when there's still no change, I might say something that, oh, maybe we've hit like a little bit of a plateau. Maybe we need to look at things again and then give that one more week to see, just uh, just ensure as well that the client has been consistent and like there has been, you know, because sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, I've done everything, but have you done your steps? Oh no, you know, I only done them once this week. Okay, yeah, probably that's why we've plateauing. So I would check that consistency first, but if they're really doing everything, I'd probably say four weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, I w- I'm really, really similar to you. I, again, between two and four weeks, and I think people are way too, like, too quick to jump the gun or like change things up, especially with scale weight. Like, those like fluctuations can mask scale um, fat loss. So, you know, it can go up like, there are so many reasons why the scale might go up and these little fluctuations could potentially mask that fat loss because we know that fat loss does take time and, and especially I feel like with people who are in a smaller body and maybe are looking for more of a body recomposition than fat loss per se I would as well because yeah I guess do you know what I mean? Like if you if you have a little bit maybe more fat to lose or whatever, you'll probably be seeing those changes quicker. Oh, yeah. When you when you are kind of in a smaller body and you're just wanting to kind of, you know, lose a little bit of fat, but really tone, yeah, quote unquote. Mm. I think you you might not see any scale changes. And building muscle is is a long process. Yeah. exactly patience is the game here right like you do have to be super 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 consistent and super patient I think when you're not tracking it's really taking a step back and going right back to basics and just looking at your portion sizes and your movement I think are probably the biggest contributing factors here and if you are struggling with portion sizes you can google like you know the um I can't remember what it's called, but like you, you take the palm of your hand and it's like a serving of protein is, or like a serving of carbs is, I can't actually remember what it all is. I know what you mean. And like a a fat was like the size of your thumb and then like a protein was the size of your palm. And then, so like you you can, you can just Google that and then use that along with the hunger scale. And yeah, then, like quarter quarter of your plate it's protein quarter yeah. and then half is uh, veg or something like that yeah I think I think the key here is again like everything we've just spoken about but then also having that accountability to not just throw the towel in and to help have someone help you troubleshoot as well and I guess that's with tracking as well because tracking's not the be all and end all yeah, definitely. And I would say, for example, with the portion sizes, sometimes um, I get clients who um, just live with their families, so they would eat with their families. So again, in that kind of, in that circumstance, 
I would assume your family is probably cooking very similar meals. I don't think many families are that adventurous that you have literally a new recipe. We have like the same seven on repeat. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure most families are like that. So say, I don't know, if you're having like plain rice or something with your meal, you can just use like, and it's already cooked, right? So sometimes it's quite hard to track it. I would just do like, say a cup of rice and that's like my portion size. And then say, if you want to, and then however much of the the, the rest of the meal you're having. Yeah, the protein and the, the veg, the sauce, whatever. And then say, if your fat loss is stagnating, you know exactly what you're having. So let's say you're having a cup of rice and maybe like two cups of, I don't know, a curry with it or wh- whatever meal you're having. So, you know, okay, that's what I usually have. So I'm going to have maybe half a cup of rice or quarter a cup, or not quarter, three quarters, quarter a cup of rice. That's like no rice. Um, three quarter a cup of rice or like, so know how much you're having so you know how you can reduce that without actually like tracking that too much you know or sometimes actually having like calorie calculated recipes so like you're not actively tracking but you're still aware of how much yeah it's sometimes quite a handy thing to do as well so you're not having to input it into an app or anything but you like you're very much aware of what's in it and if you have tracked in the past like that number will mean something because you'll have that awareness already and you'll kind of know your energy needs and stuff so, so yeah. that's what I do, for example like I'm gonna meal prep either today or tomorrow and I got some um lean men's beef to meal prep this week so I know I, I think I've got like a kilogram of it so I might I'll either I'll probably split it in half actually and I know that for example for me personally like 500 grams of mince it's probably like four meals three to four meals depending what I'm having yeah I'm adding extra like say if I'm having like chili or something and I'm having like extra kidney beans or chickpeas or whatever then that will bump up my protein but say if I have it a little bit more plain then that won't bump up my protein so maybe I'll need to have I don't know split into three rather than four but more or less three to four. So I know that this is my portion sizes. So I have enough protein and I, I can't even tell you how much protein it is right now, but I know it's enough for a yeah, serving. You know, you know what a serving looks like. Yeah, so I know that that's a serving for me. So the, the whole kilogram of mince that I have, that will be probably between six to eight meals when yeah. I'm pregnant. And that's fine. And again, maybe one day I'm hungrier. Maybe one day I'm I'm less hungry. So that's why six to eight meals. That should be that should be around about that. And I don't have to track everything because then what I add to my mince is usually just like tomatoes, peppers, onions. Like I'm not gonna track that, you know, um, because that's not gonna be much at all. But it's like when you're eating, say, sort of the same meals. That's almost data in itself, isn't it? Because then. Say you're like, you have 
pretty much the same breakfast, pretty much the same lunch. Maybe dinner's a bit more flexible, but it's still a home cooked meal and you're, you're still being sort of um, mindful about the portions and stuff and you have the same snacks. Like you've still got that, that data to go by. So whether like if you say I've been doing it for a month, you've been eating pretty much the same meals, but maybe like the veggies or the protein sort of changes like with each meal, you can still, if you're not making progress, you're like, okay, do I need to perhaps look at my steps? Do I need to move more? Do I need to look at portions and eat less? Do I need to do a combo of both? And like, it's still like data, isn't it? Definitely. And even if you're in a rush, like in say little Aldi Tesco, they have so many nice ready meals that mm. are calorie counted and, and decent protein very decent protein and then if you want to bump up that protein a little bit you can have like a little shake or um or anything i got some like chocolate protein puddings the other day oh my god they're sensational they're like 14 grams of protein for like 105 calories or something like that oh, wow. it's, it, it's it's like this custardy kind of texture it's like yeah yeah yeah. so it's kind of like like custard I guess like chocolate custard no obviously not quite but very similar texture so it's not like a yoga yoga it's yeah it's called chocolate pudding oh my days this is amazing so say if you have your like calorie counted meal like from like a ready meal and then have that as your dessert not only your protein is through the roof but you've literally done no cooking (laughs) and you're still on track with your goals yeah exactly and I think another thing that's kind of like I'd say it's everyone knows but not everyone does is just really like treat yourself with your fruit with your veg treat yourself honestly do a nice fruit salad after dinner or for your snack or whatever have all those like deliciousness that is really good for you as well because sometimes you know you just keep focusing on everything that you think you can't have because you're on a diet but focus on on, on adding focus on I don't know like mangoes they're amazing have a mango (laughs) (laughs) you have mentioned mango on this podcast before you do love a mango I love a mango (laughs) yeah I think so often we look at what can we cut out but actually if you include all the like all the plants and protein but no like these volume foods you can actually eat a hell of a lot for um not a lot of calories and the thing is these foods are so nutrient dense as well so it's just it's an all-round good thing isn't it if you're like me then it will be kiwis and mangoes (laughs) that is that does sound like a nice fruit salad in fairness with some grapes Mm. or or like kiwi and strawberry oh my yeah it's a good combo that is a good combo amazing What, what are your favorite fruit combos i love the red grapes but they have to be this is going to sound like I don't know if anyone else has this they've got to be like hard yes crunchy almost like a crunchy red grape not it's so disappointing when they're like soft and squidgy like worse than a soft grape so good so good yeah grapes are grapes and you know I'm so basic but grapes and berries Mm. is it is basic but it is it's good it's good it works (laughs) i'll feel it 
Amazing. Well, if anyone had any questions, because I think like this is a topic that we could speak on Not forever. <laughs> as we do. Um, as we do. But if you do have any questions or if you do want to take a approach to dieting that doesn't involve tracking and you enjoyed this or you've taken it all on board, but you have any questions, like feel free to slide into our DMs and we're going to be more than happy to help. If people want to do that, Kinga, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, please. Kinga underscore Fulminate Fitness. And you can slide in, ask all the questions you want. I'll be more than happy to help. What about your Instagram, Tyra? It is just Tyra Greenwood underscore PT. And yes, we, as you can, I don't know if you knew this about us, but we do love a chat. So we would literally be more than happy to have, have a little chat. But thank you very much. And we will see you next time. See you then. Bye. Bye.